and we created that umbrella for all of our youth ministries. And so eight years ago, when I decided to respond to God's call on my life in Orange Mound, uh, I was allowed by the Board of Directors of Memphis Leadership Foundation to take the name Red Zone and focus the whole attention of that work in the Orange Mound community. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. It's always a pleasure to get together with you today. I've got my good friend Howard Eddings, Director of Red Zone Ministries. Howard, good to get you here. Do an update on what's happening at Red Zone. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate you extending the invitation and making the time for us. I think I've mentioned before, our relationship goes back to Mid-South Bible College. You were the dominant basketball player for the team. I, I don't know <laughs> if we could say I was the dominant basketball player. If you could call that basketball. No, I'm just kidding. We had a great time, and that was a long time ago, a lifetime ago, and a lot of pounds ago. Some great memories, yeah. though. Oh, yeah. We had a radio voice then. So. Well, I couldn't shoot hoops, and so my job was to announce the games, yeah, call the fouls. Oh, yeah. What was your jersey I, number? Do I don't you remember? remember my jersey. Maybe 20. I remember Greg McCullough was 21 or yeah. something like that, and I, I just tried to score 20 every game, so that was my... I loved playing for Mid-South back in the day. We had some great times. In fact, Donald Gray, who's a pastor now here locally, and I were reminiscing <laughs> about winning the championship for whatever our conference was uh, back in 1980. We had a great time playing all across the Mid-South, I guess, and we ended up going to North Carolina and winning the championship. I actually won. It was a team effort, but they had to give the MVP to somebody, and so they picked me. That's why I had you on today, the MVP, hey, most I valuable player yeah, right Still here. got the yeah. trophy, man. Yeah. Still got the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So tell me about your children again. You have how many? I have three children. Yeah. Um, they are all grown and gone. i got a 27-year-old who's working on his MBA uh, up in Pennsylvania, and then I have a daughter who is 25, who's living in New York, married, and her husband is doing law school at St. John. And then I have a 23-year-old who lives in the city of Memphis and decided that he wants to go out and, and make his way in the world, and he's doing. He's just a great kid. I got great, great kids uh, who are just go-getters. Yeah. I know for many years, Howard, after you left Mid-South, you became very involved with the Memphis Leadership Foundation with Larry Lloyd and actually took over in leading that organization mm-hmm. for a number of years. Yeah. I went on Young Life staff at yeah. Larry's encouragement and worked for Eli Mars. Uh, with Urban Young Life and later moved over when Larry came back to Memphis. He started in 1987, and then in 1990 I came on as his vice president. And Larry and I go back to when I was 16 years old, so we have a long, rich history together, and I was blessed to be able to serve under his leadership. What was that initial connection with you and Larry. You were 16 at that time. How did you guys connect? Larry and I met, though I was reluctant in our meeting and our relationship, but he was persistent as a young life leader at Merrill's High School in Orange Mound, where I happened to be still engaged and involved through Red Zone Ministries. He was committed to the Orange Mound community, moved in to our neighborhood, and uh, we became friends the summer of my 10th grade year, which was around 1979, took me to camp and where I heard the gospel in a very creative and unique way. And that helped me and led me to make the decision to follow Christ. So that relationship, he and Becky, his wife, were rooted in our community and loved on kids and opened their doors and used countless volunteers to help with that and support that. God used that moment in time to show me how much I needed him. 
Howard, back in 1970-something, my parents divorced, and uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, lived in Orange Mound mm-hmm. uh, in a duplex across from Cherokee Elementary School on Sims. And I remember uh, moving in, you know, right. with – I don't remember a whole lot at that time uh, because I was a young boy mm-hmm. and all I wanted to do was play all the time, right, you know. Right. Like most young yeah, boys. Like, yeah, like yeah. most young boys. But the history of, of Orange Mound community is incredibly rich. And I, I don't think a lot of folks realize uh, just how rich that is. I mean, it is the first African-American community that was built solely by African-Americans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about 128 years old. And by the way, Cherokee at that point in time, uh, if you called Cherokee Orange Mound back then, you yep. may have you, you may have had to uh, run home uh, if you did that. So it was a different community, and now, yep. uh, over time, certainly uh, just through change and transitions in neighborhoods, um, uh, Cherokee is more uh, sadly like not. Well, I guess not sadly is more like Orange Mound, and, and so people are more comfortable with that. And I have family members who live in Cherokee as well. And so it's a great. I'm I'm glad to hear that you you. I think I knew that we yeah, you shared we, that with me. But yeah, Orange Orange Mound is a has a rich heritage, 128, 129 years old, and we've celebrated that. Uh, uh, it has a long legacy of um, being a self uh, uh, um, driven uh, community where folk who lived in that community had their own businesses and. Um, arts was a big piece, and, and music was a big piece. Uh, Park Avenue was a thriving uh, thoroughfare, as well as Carnes Avenue. And there are some folk in, in Orange Mountain who definitely uh, appreciate that history and, and really hold on to that legacy of things being great in Orange Mountain. And it still is a, a great community, full filled with assets that um, um, keeps that community thriving and moving forward. The neighborhood got its name from a local fruit called the mock orange that grew on a bush. Did you ever see any of those oranges? Well, I mean, I still see them today. They're um, still there. Oh, not necessarily in Orange Mound, but in certain places up around the old cemetery, maybe. You know, I'm, a, I'm sort of an outdoors boy or a country boy, if you will. So I've seen them in Mississippi. Some people call it the Osage orange, and it doesn't look like something you ought to bite into. But that is where it got its name from, from those blossoming Osage bushes, I guess, or small trees that blossom beautifully in the spring, and they produce that fruit, uh, if you want to call it that. During that time of the 70s, I mean, Orange Mount community, one of the largest concentration of African Americans compared to Harlem. Mm-hmm. And that's where you grew up. Yes. Tell me about some of your memories growing up. All my memories are fond memories. I grew up at a time when... Everybody did life together. I'm not saying that just to communicate to your listening audience that Orange Mound was something that it isn't. So Orange Mound, for me, as a kid growing up, was safe. It was thriving, bustling. It was a neighborhood where I was affirmed as a kid by all of the adults that I knew who could chastise and come alongside me as an adult. So I was raised by my neighbor as well as my parents. I was as close to my friends as I was to my family. And so that was a big deal to me. The school makes a difference. Uh, Merrill's High School is a prominent place in the community. But there were African-American men and women who owned businesses. Uh, We did a lot in our community. I don't remember leaving Orange Mound to do much uh, until I was about 18 years old. So we could do everything we needed to have done 
in that neighborhood. There's this revitalization effort. You're part of that. You basically resigned your position with Memphis Leadership Foundation because you had a heart for your community, and that was really the creation of Red Zone. Yes. Uh, about eight years ago, when I turned 50, that'll be close to your Are age. Are you 50 well. now? Well, <laughs> eight years ago, I was yeah. 50. I, I don't feel like <laughs> I wish I, I wish I was 50 again. No, I'm uh, blessed to be in pretty good health. Eight years ago, when I turned 50 years old, I just felt an unction. I felt led of the Holy Spirit. I thought it would be 15 years of my life. Decided that I wanted to leave the foundation and give 15 years of my life to the Orange Mound community. I thought that would be long enough. I don't know where that that time came from, that that timing came from, except that I'd be 65 years old and felt like it was time to move on and do something else. But the Lord just led me to take the skills and gifts and abilities and talents that I had gained through my work with Memphis Leadership Foundation and try to replicate that in one community. So I was trying to go from being kind of a global approach to serving Memphis to a local approach to serving Memphis. And Red Zone happens to be the platform or the vehicle for me to do that. Why the name Red Zone? Well, one day in D.C., I happened to be sitting in a a workshop or seminar being led by this professor from Harvard, a smart guy from the education department. I don't remember his name, but he talked about kids, not just urban kids, but kids in general who are in the red zone. And that can apply to a lot of different things when a car is in the red zone, is running hot, or there are a lot when you're in the red, you're in a deficit. And so that color itself implies or indicates that there's trouble and that it represents struggle. But also, you know, when you're in the red zone on a football game, you're getting close to scoring. Yes. So there's opportunity ahead. Right. And or the defense has to plan and think through and process, make good decisions to keep the offense from scoring. And that's what he likened it to. He said kids are in the red zone. It's a football term. And I just took that and ran with it. We were doing, through Memphis Leadership Foundation, a number of programs that were serving young people all across the city. And I simply took that name and and tried to create or codify the work that we were doing and and to get away from a lot of the acronyms that we had at that time that I couldn't remember when I was out trying to uh, (laughs) develop resources and and share with people what we were doing at the foundation. So uh, I decided we'd all be doing Red Zone, and we created that umbrella for all of our youth ministries. And so eight years ago when I decided to respond to God's call on my life in Orange Mound, I was allowed by the board of directors of Memphis Leadership Foundation to take the name Red Zone and focus the whole attention of that work in the Orange Mound community. But essentially, it's an outreach ministry designed to advocate for young people, helping them to make critical life decisions that impact the rest of their lives. And so that's where the whole football piece comes into place. Howard, as you start engaging the young people in Orange Mound, which I know Red Zone is totally committed to this age group, social and spiritual renewal, you're looking to connect both of these. Right. Our commitment in terms of serving kids well or serving the community well is we're committed to children, families, and the community. I think in order to make the difference that needs to be made, that we have to engage kids holistically. And that may be, for some, an overused term, but for us, it's real. It's what we do. So if we're going to impact them spiritually, we have to get engaged with them where they are, where they live, where they do life, and invest 
time-wise and advocate for them or come alongside of them. And so the whole reality around social engagement allows us the opportunity to love on them, as I've said, and then to communicate the gospel through that love. What does this look like now in light of COVID in these past how many months now? Right. COVID has created a new reality for us all. It's a new order of things, and we're trying to figure out the most effective way to respond to that and to be safe and to respect the fact that this disease is treacherous. These are unprecedented times, as you know, every news outlet states. And so we've tried to respond to that. And the way we've done it is to provide, stand in the gap for kids and their families. So we provide meals, we provide gift cards, we provide every month we do a the Fred L. Davis Memorial um, Mobile Food Pantry, serving over 300 families or about 300 families every month in partnership with Miss South Food Bank and Beulah Baptist Church. Fred Davis is an icon. Everybody in Orange Mountain, most people in Orange Mountain, and a lot of people who are doing urban ministry may have been influenced by Mr. Davis or somehow or indirectly he influenced the organization that they were involved in. So he means a lot to Larry Lord and a lot to me and a lot to a lot of other folk who are engaged in urban ministry. And so we are not directly engaged with young people. We did do a virtual learning zone that got too big for us. We were good at attracting kids, uh, 9 to 18 years old. And we've had people on staff who are uniquely gifted to do that. And so when we started our virtual learning zone, it created for us a problem. Uh, We had more kids than we needed to have involved. So over about three-week span, because we didn't have the uh, adequate space, I had to make a hard decision about whether or not we would continue that. We weren't observing the protocol associated with distancing and remaining safe. Yeah. Uh, but we knew we needed to respond to the students who were trying to figure out this whole uh, distance learning right. reality and virtual learning reality. And so we work with uh, Shelby County Schools and Melrose um, directly as well as Dunbar and kids who went to Hanley Elementary to bring them into our space. And it sounds like a lot of kids, but we only had 54 but which was too many for us. And if we had more space, which is something I'd love to share with you about, and you know about this. That's really why yeah. I brought you in today, <laughs> right, because right. we've got some exciting right. news. What's crazy is, as you talk about having to make these major adjustments, for your protocol really for functioning as Red Zone, yes. that one-on-one, up-close, personal, loving on these kids mm-hmm. and the young people, how that has been uh, diverted a little bit, not the passion or the intention of it, but broke ground on a community center. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about that. It's been a labor, I call it a labor of love. It's been something we've been engaged in for 10 or 12 years. We bought seven acres of land in Orange Mound, used to be the old Skyview Drive-In, just outside of the doors of Melrose High School and across the street from our former center that we had, a little small 2,000-square-foot building, if that big. But this land... You bought the old Skyview Drive-In? We bought that about 10 years ago. I didn't realize Maybe a little longer. Oh, yeah. We've intended for our center to go there a long time ago. We call it our families and community engagement center. And so it's designed to to serve the whole community, to serve the whole family. And just last Wednesday, we were able to break ground on that center. We've been developing funds and developing a plan and building relationships and earning the right to do what we're doing in that community for the last eight years. And so we have strong affirmation from other leaders, from other assets in the community, from the school itself, 
from the district to do this, from churches, from my homeboys who still uh, doing what they do uh, in terms of hanging out. Yeah. They know who we are. They, they've supported us all wow. this time. And so we're on our way. We're, this is a 44,000-square-foot um, facility. It will have all the bells and whistles, and, and it's a state, it will be state-of-the-art, and it is something that we've invested a lot of time and energy. We're doing this, not, not our building per se, but we're developing the land in partnership with Porter Leith and the University of Memphis. Porter Leith, those guys are doing a significant investment as well and doing a tremendous building that will serve kids. Porter Leith, I didn't know this, is over 100 years, I think 180 years old or something like that. Wow. And they've been serving um, children for a long time. Wow. And so their their plan is to do, and they're, they're, they broke ground as well, and we're kind of riding their coattail on the groundbreaking, but they're doing a... Again, a state-of-the-art development center, early childhood development center that will serve about 300 students. And, and University of Memphis is tagging along and doing their uh, doing some educational stuff with that, where people can learn to serve kids better by observing and being engaged with what Porter Leith is already doing. And so this is an incredible oh, moment uh, for us. Yes, and we're excited. Uh, it's been <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Uh, we are working hard to. Uh, design a building that that fit the needs of the community. In fact, we're meeting today with our with the architects who are very tedious about their job and very tenacious in terms of they're just trying to design something that works for the community. And yes. We're very sensitive to what we believe the neighborhood needs, and so it'll be comprehensive. It will engage uh, adults and kids alike. This is beautiful. When you talk about the revitalization of a community like Orange Mound, and this reflection of community, of people getting together and having that property and repurposing it, mm-hmm. ultimately for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We will hopefully add a piece that will allow us to show movies on the grounds. We won't be able to drive cars no. up to it like, we used to, like they used to. But the other incredible piece to this is that that space, as a, even as a, uh, you talk about the history of Orange Mountain, history of Memphis, and the legacy of separation and racism and all the effects of that, not a lot of African Americans went to Skyview Drive-In. And that whole area has been repurposed for use of people who live in that community. And so we're going to try to leverage that. Show a few movies. We'll have a, have a place where that can happen, some green space where kids can come, adults can come, and others can use it to, for that purpose when they want to do outdoor movies and try to create some of that to memorialize the fact that it yes. used to be a drive-in theater. And before then, I understand it was a, a potato farm that put a, a few people to work yeah. uh, in the community. So it, it has come full circle. It <laughs> It's, it's been a long time for, for the past fifty yes. years almost. It's just been sitting there. Wow! And so we're 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 excited that that now we can take land that was barren or fallow for so long and do something for the community that the community can benefit from. And I hadn't heard many people say anything about this that uh, indicates that they don't want this to happen. All they're saying is, what, what's taking you so long? <laughs> it's going to take about a year to build it. It's a yeah. massive project. Hopefully the weather and code and zoning and all the stuff that goes with development. Plus, we hope works. this pandemic will be far gone yes, Lord. Yeah. by the time you mm-hmm. cut the ribbon to yeah. walk in there mm-hmm. for the first time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's going to be really important, obviously. I guess you'll be giving on your website updates as the progress. There's a video, I think, on Facebook, right? There is a video on Facebook with the 
groundbreaking. We will do that as much as our abilities allow us sure. to do that. We we need to we need to ramp up our capacities in that area. But the website certainly is the is the best vehicle and portal to understand what we're doing. But I'm certainly available. You can email me or call me, but we will try to track this thing as we go and try to capture the moments that are critical so that we can promote. We're most of the way there, but we certainly need people to understand that uh, if you've been asking how you can get engaged, this is a way to get engaged. We're going to be buying everything from art supplies to building the structure itself yep. and from, to basketballs to all the stuff that you need. So donations can be made directly to Red Zone Ministries. Of course. Your email address, by the way, is howard at redzonememphis.org. Yes. Is there a number somebody could call? Let me give you my cell number because that's the easiest way to catch me is 901-301-4081. But our website is redzonememphis.org. It has a donate button. You can choose to give directly to uh, this effort or to our ongoing operational efforts. We want to do this without having a lot of debt yes. uh, or having any debt, quite frankly. And, and God has blessed us and opened a number of doors and a number of hearts and wallets to support this. And we just need to do that a bit more and engage people and give them an opportunity to get involved. Howard, this is great. We're going to have to come back together. We've got to do some programs from this new facility. Let's you do know? it. We're going to have state-of-the-art equipment in there, so you can you need to bring something. I but it, it, it'll be uh, set up so that you can do that very easily. Oh, We'd love, love to have you. Oh, I'm going to do love it. To we're we're going to make that a yeah, plan. Yeah. Howard, as always, thank you, my dear brother, for what you do for Christ's kingdom in the Orange Mound community, the investment, the love, because of Jesus in your heart. I mean, isn't it amazing what his love how it transforms. You know, I was reading this morning in Philippians, Paul was exhorting the church there that your love may abound more and more. Mm-hmm. The love, not just some kind of a fluffy feeling inside, but the love based upon knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and our knowledge of just obviously we get from God's word, how we're mandated to love our neighbor. That is an expression, not just a feeling, but that is doing. That is very active. It's an active thing. But so is our faith. We say this a lot, and I think what needs to happen from a practical dynamic, and this is what made the difference to me, that that someone who could articulate what you just articulated in terms of what the Word of God says, live that out in, in the context of doing life beside me. Yes. Uh, and they didn't really have to, but that, that wasn't necessarily uh, the only thing. Uh, I, I, I got the word of, word of God verbally, and then, then through actions and through life, uh, I, I saw how I, as a follower of Christ, was to do life. And that's what we do with kids. We love them where they are. And, and we, we just had a kid who was in our ministry for a number of years, killed on Thursday oh, evening. Oh. He's a sweet kid. He's a sweet, sweet young man. But life in that context can be very unforgiving and very hard. Uh, you can put yourself in dangerous situations all the time. And and our, our commitment is to come alongside of guys like that and come alongside of uh, guys who are are committed to going to school and doing all those things we think they ought to do. Yes. Uh, and so it makes it, 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 you have to decide that you're going to love every kid. Yes. And that you're going to share with every kid uh, with the same intentionality and the same passion for him or her uh, that you would that kid who is 
doing everything right, as we say. And so it's it's an incredible opportunity to love and to serve and to share the good news of the gospel in, in so many different contexts. Is Whitney still keeping you straight over there? Whitney decided, thanks for asking about Whitney, that it was time for her to move on. Really? And so we chatted each other up this morning on text, uh, but she's no longer with the organization. Okay. And I miss her. So, she brought um, kids here. We did a radio mm-hmm, show with mm-hmm, some of the kids yeah. from the program. Sure, yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, we'll pray that God will just direct her. Mm-hmm. So you're driving this machine by yourself right now? Pretty much, but it's a good it's a good time. And I yeah. call it, uh, we're moving away from, <laughs> you know, the, the, the spirit of exceptionalism and, and triumphalism and yeah. moving into this time of lament (laughs) so we're 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 trying to figure out how to move this building forward and and and, in god's timing allows me the freedom now to do some of that but with that said we're certainly uh, looking for someone who can come in and, and come alongside of these kids that's not my thing as you well know so we're looking for another whitney we're looking for people who feel led by god to engage urban kids urban young people where they are and so that's another call i'm i'll be excited to take or email okay i'll be glad to respond to as we look at what we're going to do because covid19 has allowed us to be a little bit more patient how we move forward we want to engage kids personally until um because shelby county school system decides that schools can open again yeah. uh, and we're ready to go I, I pray if they just I'm, I'm watching that in, in, in a part of that conversation and so as they decide that we, we need to gear up uh, right now we can move a little slower and use volunteers to do the work that we're doing Howard thanks again my friend thanks for having me I appreciate it it's good to see you good to see you too yeah. well friends that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint thanks for stopping by I'm Byron Tyler and we'll talk to you next time bye bye Today's Mid-South Viewpoint is brought to you by Navage. Just think about all the nasty stuff we breathe in every day. You know, the dust, allergens, bacteria, pollen, pollution. You know the things in Memphis here. What are we breathing? Well, if you wash your hands and brush your teeth every day, then why aren't you cleaning your nose to clean out all that junk that's trapped up in there? Let me tell you about this product. If you suffer from allergies, sinus infections, or are worried about what you're breathing in, it's called Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. What's Navage? Well, it's the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. People that have suffered from lifelong allergies call Navage a complete game changer. They are breathing more clearly, sleeping better, snoring less, and feeling a whole lot better. In fact, 90% of people who use Navage report feeling healthier. Now with cold and flu season just around the corner, why not make Navage part of your daily health routine? Experience what it's like to truly breathe better, sleep deeper, and feel healthier. Go ahead and visit Navage.com. That's Navage.com. Or you can find Navage at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Target. Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. N-A-V-A-G-E.